Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation, as we talk this Sunday, and I believe this verse has the theme and really the spirit in which God wants us to move forward in, we're going to talk about being made new. Somebody say new. How many of you like new stuff? How many of you are wearing something new right now? Fellas, how many of you are wearing something against your will? (laughs) Have you noticed the, the push and the demand that our culture places on what's new? Think about it. New technology is what drives the market. New information is what makes the news. How many of you, you consistently check the news? You want to be updated on what's happening in the world. There's such a drive to to pursue what's new. I don't know if you've ever owned a new car, but how many of you, you just love that new car smell? How many of you, your car does not smell like that right now? You know, what's interesting is they say, once you buy a brand new car, the minute you drive it off the lot it loses about a third of its value. Interesting how the bar is set so high and the push is to struggle to stay new. If you've ever bought a laptop computer, by the time you bring it home from Best Buy and you get it all figured out, it's already outdated. Technology just continues to push forward and advances. How many of you have a smartphone? Some of you. How many of you are smarter than your phone? Oh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because the new iPhone is announced before you can figure out how to check the voicemail on your old phone. Hello. I love it. Even the way that God designed nature. I want you to consider this. I think it's built by divine design. This whole idea of new from one day to the next. How God broke it up into 24-hour segments. How many of you love starting a new day? I just think there are moments when I go through my previous day and I'm just glad it's over. You ever just collapsed in bed and you said, thank God that one's done. I can't wait till tomorrow. New day, new opportunities. God designed it that way. Even in nature, consider from season to season how winter gives way to spring and that new life just bursts forth and spring becomes summer. The way God built it, the way he structured it is this desire, this longing for what's new. Even among animals, there are some animals that shed their skin and it's almost as if they reinvent themselves. There's a molting process that some animals go through, and it's as if they lay down what's old and they step into what's new. You know, I'm convinced that within every human heart, there's a desire that God has placed inside of you for something new. New opportunities, new seasons, new direction, new relationship. Uh, Let me ask you this. How many of you wish that life came with a reset button and you could just press that button and boom, everything's made new? Ever need a new season in your marriage? You wish you could press that button? Come on, how many wish your spouse came with a button? You said, no, 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 we're going to reset all that right now. (laughs) Our parents, do you wish your kids had that reset button? They come walking up in the kitchen with some attitude. You're like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Put it in reverse, come back in here, and let's do that one again. 
come in with a new attitude? Or have you ever been in a conversation and as the words come out of your mouth, you just wish you could... Can we start all over again? I didn't mean it to sound that way. Sometimes I wish that, you know, there are experiences that I've had or things that I've done even, you know, in previous nights. And I'm like, okay, I want to do that one over again. This verse in Revelation chapter 21, I love it because I think it's the hope of Easter. And I think you can hang your hat on this hook because the the scripture declares something over us today and God wants us to catch it. Revelation chapter 21 verse 5. This is the reset button that I think all of us long for and but sometimes struggle to find. The Bible says it this way, Revelation 21 5. Then he who sat on the throne Now, can I get this picture here? Who's the one seated upon the throne? It is Jesus himself in a position of authority. And he makes this declaration, and I love it. This becomes the framework of what we're going to talk about today. He says these words, Behold, I make all things new. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Some of you need to underline that verse in your Bible. You, you need to write that verse down somewhere where you can refer to it. He says, behold, I make all things new. Now, what I want to do for the time that we have remaining, I want to take that single statement and I want to walk through it in four steps. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, write down the word behold. Everybody say behold. Behold. We don't use that word very much, do we? When was the last time you said, behold? Never. It's a little awkward. But, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to talk to my wife about greeting me this way when I come home at the end of the day. I just, you know, one time I would love for her to, to gather our children. Kids, gather around. Behold, your father. I mean, that's a powerful moment right there. I could step up into that. Uh-uh. I just want to bow up. I feel like I need to flex. If she was going to say, behold, right here, uh, uh, what does the word behold mean? When we say behold, what does that mean? It means to fix your eyes upon. It it means pay attention to. In, In fact, I can remember when my kids were very small, sometimes they would talk to me. And as parents, you can probably identify with this too. They're talking to me. And even though I'm listening, I'm not looking at them. And they get frustrated, so they take their little hands and they grab my face. And they would put my face to theirs. Hey, because we had to go eye to eye. They wanted to make sure that I'm here. How many moms and dads, that's happened to you before? Yeah, because they're not convinced that you're listening if you're not looking. You're about to miss something important. And here, it's as if heaven reaches down to earth and Jesus takes his hands and he puts them up on our face and he says, behold. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you. Don't miss, there's something significant, something important. Set your eyes, fix your eyes, turn your gaze on what I'm about to do. If not, you're going to miss it. Now, how many of you know that we live in a crazy and a very noisy culture? If you're going to focus on something, it becomes very difficult. How many of you are ADD, ADHD, A to Z? It's hard sometimes to focus. Statistics say that each and every day we receive over 3,000 messages a day. 
Think about that. That's a lot to pay attention to. That's a lot of information that's floating around out there. Think about it through TV, through radio, through the internet, through text messages, through tweets, emails, phone calls, pop-ups, voicemails, over 3,000 messages a day. The average American will consume 19 gigabytes of data every single month. And over 30 minutes of your day is spent right here doing this, texting, texting, texting. How many of you, you see your kids and most of the time they're like this? Yeah, the, the other day I was in the neighborhood and there was a truck that was stopped at the stop sign in front of me. And I see this guy walking on the sidewalk and he's walking and he's texting, head down and he's texting. He walked slap into the truck and then looked at the truck like he was offended and then just kept on walking and texting. If you have your head down, you're going to miss what's right in front of you. And God says, church, pay attention. Behold, watch what I'm doing. You know what's amazing is when when Jesus first came on the scene, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, used this very word. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He didn't want earth to miss what heaven was trying to give. And I'm blown away at how closely some people were in proximity to Jesus, yet they didn't see him. They recognized him as a teacher. Some even thought him to be a prophet. But to be the Messiah, the Son of God, some people just couldn't see what was right in front of them. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he looks upon the city and he weeps. His heart longed to give himself to his people. But the Bible says they couldn't see what was right in front of them. That that their eyes had become cloudy and the peace of God had passed them by. And he longed for them to see it. Somebody say, behold. You know, on that first resurrection Sunday... When those early followers of Jesus, they went to the tomb, the angel had to look at them and say, wait, 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 you're looking in the wrong place. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's what? He's risen. So how many of you know you got to look in the right place if you're going to find the right thing? If you're not paying attention, then the very answer, the very purpose, the very promise God's trying to send into your life will walk right in and walk right out and you won't even recognize it. But do you know what I love? The, the, the very first person that the resurrected Jesus revealed himself to, it's found in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. The Bible says this, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him, the first person to behold him was none other than Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. Isn't that awesome? This woman, the world gave her no chance, but Jesus says, she's the very first person that I want to show myself to. Can I have a good amen? Somebody say behold. Second thing, write this down. Number two, I make. Scripture says, behold, watch this, pay attention to, don't let this pass you by. I make. Now, who's doing the making here? Jesus is. He's taking full responsibility of making something. And I love this because when I try to make something, I'm good at making a few messes. How many of you can put your hand to some things and you can make a good mess out of it? I try to build it. I try to construct it. If I try to do it, it may not turn out the way I want it 
too. And this is a great promise for us at Easter because sometimes we go about life with our plans and our ideas and we don't end up where we had planned to be. And the scripture here says God is making something. The good news of Easter is this, that God can take your mess and make something beautiful out of it. What we mess up, God can clean up and he can redeem and he'll take that very thing that the world said was worthless that you think is useless and he'll use it for eternal purpose. Do you believe that? The entire Bible is filled with the story of God taking what was wrong and making it right. I mean, consider at the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, how many of you know they made a mess of things? They took a perfect situation and messed it up. And God had to come in, and the scripture says that he took an animal, and he sacrificed that animal, and took the skin of that animal to cover their nakedness and shame. God had to clean up what they messed up. He took what was wrong, and he made it right. And then if you fast forward into the days of Noah, the scripture tells us that man was exceedingly wicked, that all of his thoughts were bent on evil. And so God had to take what was wrong and make it right. Through Noah, he built a boat. And this boat became that plan of salvation, that ark of rescue. God took what was wrong and he made it right. The children of Israel, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They went in circles. Some of you feel like your life is going in circles. You keep uh, uh, circling the same mountain, the same set of circumstances, the same problems. And God said, I'm going to take what's wrong and make it right. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. He gave them instruction. He gave them direction. God takes what's wrong and he makes it right. Even during the days of Jesus, the religious, the religious leaders, they, they, they condemned him, they crucified him, and they wanted to bury him forever. But three days later, God took what was wrong and he made it right. Can I have a good amen? You see, listen, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from receiving what's right with him. Come on now, are you with me? Sometimes we think, oh, I just can't clean up what I've messed up. Well, welcome to the human race. That's the condition that all of us find ourselves in. And so we present ourselves to God and we say, Lord, can you make something meaningful out of this mess? Scripture says it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Yet God has made... Notice who's doing the making. We may do the messing, but he does the making. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. I love it because when the scripture says, behold, I make, it's really an active present tense verb. It means I am making. In other words, God's not finished with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't judge me. God ain't finished with me. Come on, tell somebody, don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. Come on, come on. Now, now, now we may not be where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. He's working on us. He's working in us. And if you just surrender your life to Jesus, he can take something and do something amazing with that. He, he can take the broken, messed up pieces of your life. Now, and here's the good news. God takes full responsibility of a life that's completely surrendered to him. 
The outcome of your life is not based on you when you surrender you to him. Are you with me? Somebody say, behold. Say, I make. Now say, all things. You need to write that in big letters somewhere. All things. Not some things. Not a few things. Not most things. But all things. What does that include? Everything. There is nothing off limits to God. In fact, God is sovereign. And he's so big that what we surrender to him, when we give him all, he takes care of all. Sometimes we limit, our understanding of God is limited because we're limited. And, and, and there are a few pieces of our lives, and we sang about it today, these broken pieces, piece by piece. Sometimes we don't know how to put it together. And so we doubt that God can do anything with these broken pieces. And he reminds us, wait a second, if you'll give those things to me, I'll take care of all things. Nothing is off limits to God. How many of you, some, from time to time, you'll just kind of check out what's in your refrigerator? Whether you're hungry or not, you just, you just go to the fridge and it just makes you feel good. Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, there's only three honest people in the house. I love to eat. And sometimes, and I'm not even hungry, I just want to check out what's in the fridge. Come on, can I have a good Amen. Just looking at that. If you invite me over to your house, I'll come dig in your refrigerator. That's kind of how it works. The other day I was digging in the fridge and I found a, a box. It was like a to-go box. I'm like, hmm, what's, what's in here? A little surprise. What's up? What's happening? Pop that thing open. It was a little chicken parmesan from Rafino's. Holla. Man, I felt the move of God right there. Man, pop that thing in the mic. I wasn't even hungry. Wasn't even. How I many know we don't eat because we're hungry? We eat if it's in front of us. Come on. I put it in the microwave. Man, the whole kitchen starts smelling good. I mean, it was no time at all. I devoured that chicken parmesan. Well, my oldest daughter, Alexa, she's 17, came into the kitchen. She was digging in the fridge. She said, Dad, have you seen my chicken parmesan? Now, look, you be honest with me. How many of you, when you've got a little stash of something that you don't want anybody to eat, you find a place to hide that somewhere, somewhere in your pantry, somewhere in your fridge, you hide it under layers of stuff because you don't want it to disappear. Come on, are you with me? I'm like, uh, that, that was yours? Oh, my bad. <laughs> Like Dad, I just had my heart set on that chicken parmesan. I mean, I just, uh, since yesterday, I was thinking about it. that was going to be my dinner. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go get you something. So then, you know, a short time after that, and maybe a day or two later, I'm digging in the fridge again. In the bottom drawer, I find me this red, delicious apple. It was just, it was, it was huge. It was calling my name. And I said, you know, let me cut this thing up. I slice it up, and I'm popping this apple down my throat. And Alexa walks in. She's like, Daddy, where'd you get that apple? It was in the bottom drawer. She said, no, I hid that under a bunch of stuff. That was supposed to be my apple. How I many? I'm feeling bad because I'm taking food out of the mouth of my kids right now. <laughs> so like the next day, I walk into the kitchen, and there's a cluster of bananas on the counter, and every single banana had Alexa's name on it. <laughs> she said, mine, dot, 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 don't touch, Dad. Mine. Do you know, I don't think, watch this. I think that God 
sits up in heaven and he looks down at earth and there's not a single thing in all creation that God doesn't say, mine, that belongs to me. When you say yes to Jesus and give your life to him, he says, you belong to me, you're mine. When you give your marriage to him, how many know he says, okay, I got that too. That's mine. I'll take responsibility for that. When you give your kids to the Lord, you offer them back to him. Lord, there's some days I don't know what to do with these kids, but Father, you do. He looks down from heaven and he says, those kids belong to me. When you say, Father, I don't know about my job. I don't know about my future. When you've surrendered your life to him, he looks down from heaven and he says, mine, 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 mine. There's nothing off limits from a sovereign God. He says, behold, I make all things. I'm telling you what, he is God. And he's seated on the throne. You know, every year, especially this time of year, on Good Friday, I make it a, a, a practice to watch The Passion of the Christ. How many have seen that movie? That's tough. That is, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it, it wounds me to see it. It, it, it. It's brutal to see what Jesus went through. But I just feel such a sense of responsibility to connect my heart with the sacrifice that heaven made on our behalf. And I was reminded that even in that passion narrative, that God was always in control. There was not a single step that Jesus took that wasn't calculated by heaven itself. Did you know that in the life of Jesus, over 300 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled? 300. And in the the Passion Week alone, there were 60 prophecies that were fulfilled in that life, in that timeline. And in fact, in the 24 hours surrounding the crucifixion, 25 Old Testament prophetic words were fulfilled. I want to tell you this. Jesus knew what he was doing. No man took his life, but he laid it down freely. In fact, consider this. When Jesus was on trial and Pontius Pilate was asking him questions and Jesus didn't open his mouth, Pilate looked at him and says, speak up. Don't you know that I have the power to either condemn you or set you free? Jesus said, oh, no, you don't. The only power you have has been given to you by my heavenly father. I'm going to tell you this. Jesus can take care of everything that concerns you. Somebody say, behold. Say, I make. Say, all things. Say, new. Ah, I love that word, new. That word literally, and here's how I want to close. That word literally means fresh, absolutely new. Unlike anything before, listen, new in quality, new in character, new in kind. It means better. Now, here's why I feel that each and every one of us long for what's new. Because sometimes we struggle with what's now. And we sense that if it's next, if it's new, then it's better. How many of you believe God can bring something better into your life? There's a hope that each one of us carries. Lord, could you possibly make that new in me? Now, here's what new doesn't mean. It doesn't mean a remodel of what was. It's not an update of something old. It literally means new from the inside out, complete transformation. Hear me. We're not talking about a renovation. 
we're talking about a new creation. And that's the power of the cross and the empty tomb. The hope of Easter is that we would see it. Watch this. Watch what I'm doing, heaven says. Heaven grabs us by the face. Jesus says, look me in the eye. Behold, I'm doing something. I am. I'm making all things completely new. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And this is a beautiful scripture. Here's how this translates into our life. This this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who names the name of Jesus, anyone who's surrendered themselves to the Lord, God looks down from heaven and says, mine, 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 that's mine, he's mine, she's mine, that family's mine, their future belongs to me. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. We're not talking about cosmetic change or something external. We're talking about transformation from the inside out. Anyone who names the name of Jesus, who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is what? Gone. And the new life has what? Begun. One translation says, old things have passed away. You know what some of you need to do to your past? You need to just bury it and have a funeral for it. You know why? Because it's impossible for us to receive what's new when we're holding on to the old. If you'll just let go of that, then you'll be in position to receive what it is that God wants to give you. Some of you need to be made new right here in your heart. You can have a new car. You can have a new shirt. You can get a a new iPhone. You have all kinds of gadgets and stuff, but the greatest, the greatest gift that you could receive doesn't come in a box. It, it, it's not under a tree at Christmas, but it hung on a tree 2,000 years ago. And Jesus said, I can make you new from the inside. If you just give me your heart, some of you need to be made new in your soul. You need newness of life on the inside. Some of you, you need something new in your marriage. You need something new in your children, something new in a relationship. Some of you are longing to step into a new season. Oh, God, I'm trusting you. I feel like I've been circling this mountain, and and God, I need something new. God, I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I'm going to tell you where you can find it. You can find it in one thing. You can find it in Jesus. I'm telling you, there's one thing that changed all things, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Behold, he said. I make all things new. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.